Blog Talk Radio. that was just picking up steam in a way that you can hang out with your friends, uh, kind of have that camaraderie with each other. Um, so I think just early on um, with schooling and everything else, you just kind of just, just start having those types of friends and groups and leagues that you kind of create. And the more you kind of got into it, the more you realize, oh, geez, I have a lot more to learn. I need to get a lot better. And then you start turning into a really competitive state. And I guess it just kind of really started off, uh, you know, more than a decade ago, of just kind of getting in a league with uh, your friends. Oh, terrific. And I think that's that's a lot of reason why a lot of us are in fantasy football now. But now why did you take the extra step to start the NFL Talking Head podcast? Yeah, great question. Um, I, I think that when Seth and I were talking about it, one of the things that I realized was I wanted to dive a little bit deeper into the industry um, and we were starting to attempt some bigger, higher stake leagues, some, some of the national fantasy football championship tournaments and so on and so forth. But what I found was in terms of doing additional research and listening to other people, um, it, it, they just had a different philosophy or they just had different takes or I just felt strongly about my own, you know, or a combination of both. There was a, a lot of heavy emphasis on rankings, which... Seth and I just don't really believe a whole lot in rankings. We can't tell, you know, what the difference between the 14th overall player and 15th Hello? overall player in one's ranking is. So we kind of started doing a podcast, kind of giving our own philosophies and our own strategies, and it just kind of blossomed from there. Great. Well, that's a, that's excellent, and hopefully you can drop a little bit of this knowledge on us and our listeners because we really appreciate you bringing your top ten fantasy podcast knowledge along over to help us out. So let's go ahead and get rolling with our show. Perfect. So the first thing I want to talk about is draft strategy. You know, going into the 2017 fantasy football season, obviously there's a lot of considerations that are different than the past. And I'd like to get some thoughts from you, Jeff, about what you are looking for as far as draft strategy. You know, in the past, we've had, you know, running back, running back, wide receiver, wide receiver, waiting on tight ends late, all this other stuff, looking at position scarcity. What are your thoughts on how someone should position their draft for the 2017 fantasy football season? Yeah, you kind of hit the nail on the head. There's a lot of 
philosophies out there in terms of what people kind of go into the draft thinking, you know, they, they want to stay away from running backs because uh, they had a really down year the previous year, or they're going to go late round on quarterbacks in a one quarterback league. I think that the approach that, that I have and that we have, it, and I know it sounds really simple, but it's just best player available. One of the things that we try and not do is overreact in the middle of a draft. You know, we're going to let the draft come to us. Mm-hmm. We understand the value of each of these players. If we have to draft three wide receivers in a row, then we'll go ahead and do it with the confidence and know-how that we can make up on the back end how to get the running back. Because the last thing we want to not do is get – is to get caught up in a run, for example. You know, if there's many running backs, mm-hmm. we feel like we have to take one just because they're all going. Um, so that's that's a really kind of like overview in terms of best player um, best player available. Um, another thing, another thing that we kind of do that I find ourselves in terms of when we do our projections or how we view the value of a player, we tend to stay away from risky players. Uh, they've either had mm-hmm. not a lot of history proven themselves, rookies for that matter. Um, so anything that might have a higher risk attached to them versus someone else who has proven it, even if they're more boring, you know, like someone like Larry Fitzgerald who's going to fall a lot just because he's a little more boring. Same with Michael Crabtree. He's a little more boring. Yet someone like Leonard Fournette who hasn't proven anything is a little bit higher. Um, and, and so we tend to just try and be conservative and take the points that, that we know that we're going to get in return. Mm-hmm. All right. Brian, do you have any, any thoughts on the on this kind of strategy, this kind of best available strategy that Jeff is outlining? Yeah. So, uh, you know, maybe I'm overcomplicating it a little bit, but uh, in general I, I agree with that principle. I do want to just throw off nice and early as, as I jump onto this podcast here that Leonard Fournette sucks. Uh, but moving on from that, <laughs> okay. uh, you know, I like to really kind of break my guys into tiers, and I know that's not revolutionary, but – um, so I don't like to get caught up in runs either. However, if I'm looking at that I don't have, you know, a running back selected yet and there's only two guys left in my second tier and I don't have a pick for, you know, another 12 picks or so, um, you know, I do try to take somebody out of that second running back tier. Um, I'm not concerned if I don't get an elite guy at every position, but um, overall I try to balance and manage it like that. But in general, yeah, my, my philosophy – um, when I go into the draft, I never say I'm going to draft wide receiver early, wide receiver, um, or we'll go back-to-back wide receiver. I'm going to kind of let you know, look at the draft board and see who the best available player is in that first couple rounds and, and go from there. But, again, um, maybe the only part I would deter a little bit, although, again, apparently I should be taking tips over here, um, is that if there were, <laughs> if I, 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 w- I would be a little bit concerned on my end drafting three straight wide receivers out of the gate. Um, but, again, again, I think it's all kind of fluid uh, with the way that the draft's uh, unfolding in front of you. Yeah. yeah. Let me, let me ask you, Jeff. Of, what do you? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I was just gonna kind of follow up on Ryan's point about the tiers. I think that's always um, a, a really good method to go alongside and have in front of you while you're in a draft, so that way you're you're properly prepared right. and you understand the value of the the difference in positions. So putting running backs, tight ends, wide receivers, and obviously quarterbacks all combining them into the tier levels, not just separating the running back tiers by themselves, but combining the universal players into separate tiers, I think is is a good uh, method and process as well. Mm-hmm. And what do you think about, you know, the fact that we've seen a lot less of these kind of, uh, you know, number one 
bell cow type of back situations in the NFL. We've seen a lot of running back by committees. I mean, that's obviously nothing new. We've seen that develop over the years. But it doesn't that in any way kind of pressure someone to take a running back early in the draft? I think, I think that it could, and I think I've seen people do that because of that reason. Um, again, though, I think you just have to go back to what the value is at the position in terms of how many starters there are. You know, another, another big factor in terms of all this and draft strategy is how many players you get to start at each position. Because if you have to start um, three wide receivers mandatory or even have the ability of two flexes, um, then, you know, then the running back becomes a lot less valuable than a wide receiver because of value above replacement level. So I think understanding the roster settings is important in knowing your league. And I think that because of someone's – I think a good example of this could be someone like Isaiah Crowell. Because he's the quote-unquote bell cow, we're going to be getting a lot of the touches. People put a lot of stock in that. And I think sometimes some players can get elevated when they shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, it looks like we have a caller in here, so I'm going to bring him on the line. Hello, caller. Hey. Welcome to the show. Hey, how are you? All hey, right. You What's your name? My name is John. How are you? All right, John. So what, what do you got for us? No, I just uh, – just the strategy, obviously. I, I feel like a lot of times people tend to overdraft, obviously. even if So if you have two wide receivers taken on your team already and you have one uh, running back who might not be, like Ryan said, like that, that first-tier guy, but um, – why I just don't understand. Do do you reach on a on another guy as a, as a running back in that second slot, or do you just if there's a good wide receiver, you guys taking that wide receiver every time? Jeff, what do you think? Do you want me to go first? Yeah, I, I yeah, think go for again, it. This is where it comes. This is where it comes down to just knowing the the players and having kind of like that 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 BPA model of well it depends on the running back and it depends on the player so if I had two wide receivers and Lamar Miller is my third running back I'm probably pretty okay with that because I, I kind of like Lamar Miller in the third round this year I like his usage but if, if it's going to be between like Isaiah Crowell and someone like Jarvis Landry in a PPR league I'm going Jarvis Landry so it really depends on who we're talking about you know and it, and I always like to ask, well, who's a running back and who's a wide receiver? Because then I can give you an answer. Yeah, no, that, that Brian, I know. I, 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 it's kind of, kind of tough with without like an example. But. Yeah, I agree. That um, you know, that sounds like the the kind of kid uh, who was named John in my league that last uh, lost the last three games last year and missed the playoffs. <laughs> but um, <laughs> calling him out. Overall, Why am I not surprised? <laughs> overall. Uh, <laughs> Overall, um, you know, I, I again, I just it is hard to do without um, having exact players or exact um, you know examples there. But I but I agree that you know it depends if the running back class behind is is really really bad and this is your last shot at a good guy, then I would take him. But you know, an example that was just used, you know, I would go Jarvis Landry in that in that spot too over Crowell. So um, it's definitely it's definitely fluent. I think I think the best overall philosophy I think we've kind of hemmed out here is that. Um, to not be reactionary, but be but to go in and be adaptable throughout the draft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree, and I appreciate that. My other one quick question I wanted to get off, what are your thoughts on John Ross um, for the Bengals getting drafted at nine overall? And uh, I guess their, their second-round pick as well, Mixon. Uh, do, you, do you think they're going to be people that could be uh, sleepers as obviously rookies, or is that 
uh, are you thinking their playing time might be more limited, especially Mixon? Ooh, he, he's telling the future, guys, because we actually we're going to talk about rookies in a second. But why don't we go ahead and just turn to that now and just start with that. Do you guys have thoughts on John Ross and, and Joe Mixon? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I, um, I was just going to start us off, Jeff. Yeah. Sure. Uh, notoriously, we're been a little bit off with the rookies because of the fact that you just don't have any way to really tell how good they're going to be, and there's just so many times that 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 you get burned by them. Um, so that being said, Joe Mixon's one of the the few rookies that I, I really like this year. Um, I like them coming out of college. Um, I tried to get them in my dynasty draft and the rookie draft. I really like everything about Joe Mixon. I don't think you can really trust the other running backs there. He can do a little bit of everything in terms of actually running in between tackles, running outside, and catching and catching the ball. So I do like him. That being said, where he's going is tough. You know, he's going like early fourth round, really early fourth round in 12-man league. And that's just really tough. So I don't think I'm going to own any shares of him, but I do like him. John Ross, I'm probably staying a little more away from, um, again, because I, I think that I don't know what his consistency is going to be week in and week out. And if I draft him, I probably can't start in week one, and then i got to see what his usage is, and i got to wait week two. And then um, I think he's going to be a lot closer to something like a Deshaun Jackson where I don't know if I can trust him week in and week out, especially as a rookie. Ryan, any thoughts? Yeah, so not to put words in your mouth, Jeff, but, um, you know, you're describing a boomer bust player with John Ross, and I think that's what he is. Um, I'm not a big fan of, of uh, just speed outside receivers who just run fly routes all day. So, um, you know, if he's around late, you know, in the draft, I would consider him. But, um, you know, slotting in number two there as the receiver and the fact that he's really just, in my mind, at least this early in his career, just a, a deep route guy. Um, you know, you might have a good week where he puts up 15 points, and the next week you'll see him catch one ball for 15 yards and no touchdowns, and, you know, you'll get your, um, in a PPR league, two, you know, two and a half points out of there. So um, not, not high on him. Joe Mixon, I, I agree he's going too high, especially as a rookie. Also the fact that uh, I'm a pretty opinionated person. Jeff, we just met, so you probably don't know that about me yet. But, um, <laughs> but you know, his, his off-field stuff, um, you know, would make it really – uh, really, really hard for me to uh, to draft a guy like that. But then again, I picked up Vontez Perfect um, as an IDP uh, going into the playoffs right. last year. So I guess when money's on the line, I'll, I'll, I'll you know I'll adhere to whatever it's best for my team. Right. Well, let me say this about Joe Mixon real quick. The Bengals are among the top two teams in rushing attempts over the last four years. Jeremy Hill has had two bad years in a row. Giovanni Bernard's coming off an injury. He Joe Mixon is one injury away. One you know. Uh, one issue, one little step away from being really, really relevant in this league, regardless of off-field issues. So just take that, you know, take that off the table, and just talk about skill set alone. He could have been a first-round pick if it wasn't for the off-field issues. I and mean, in the actual draft, he uh, he might be worth it in uh, in this in a dynasty or a keeper league um, that high fourth round if if you want to take a chance. All right. Well, thanks a lot, John, for your questions. We appreciate it, and thanks for calling in. Appreciate it, guys. Have a good night. Thank you. All right. So let's move on to uh, what we've already started talking about, and that is um, rookies. Rookies to watch because there are a lot of rookies that actually might impact what we do in the uh, in the fantasy football world moving up. I mean, first of all, we got Leonard Fournette, 
who uh, with the Jaguars. We got Joe Mixon, which you just talked about. Dalvin Cook, a running back with the Vikings. I know someone who uh, Ryan really likes. There's Corey Davis, taken very high, fifth overall by the Titans. Deshaun Watson, a quarterback for the Texans, who actually might be their starter sooner rather than later. And Deshaun Kaiser showing some some uh, some uh, some chops there behind center for the Browns. O.J. Howard, the much much ballyhooed tight end, going to the Buccaneers in the first round. Kareem Hunt, a running back for the Chiefs, who might actually overtake Spencer Ware, who's had very disappointing seasons uh, in the in the recent past. Jamal Williams, if the Packers, Marlon Mack with the Colts, Joe Williams, the 49ers, all those rookies to watch. Jeff, which one of those are you keeping your eye on in the preseason? Uh, I would say that, you know, I think with rookies, you're always going to try and see how they're going to be utilized right out of the gate um, so they could all kind of fit in that category. But if I were to pick a couple of them, I think the top ones would be Joe Williams. Um, There's some leaking reports that, you know, Carlos Hyde may actually get cut from one of the beat reporters out there in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I can go to that level and believe that. Uh, but there are other reports as well that Carlos Hyde is just not the perfect fit in Kyle Shanahan's system. Um, all that being said, I think Joe Williams is one of the more explosive running backs coming out of college. He had his same off-the-field issues um, as Joe Mixon. Not the same, but he had other off-the-field issues um, in Utah. So, and, but he is a, a physical freak. You know, He was one of the top performers at the Combine. And it was reported in the MMQB report with Peter King that – Kyle Shanahan just stood on the table and pounded for John Lynch to draft this guy. So I have to believe that there's something there. Carlos Hyde also tends to get injured a lot. And with Kyle Shanahan having the type of offense that he has, using his backs out of the backfield, as we saw in Atlanta, Joe Williams is definitely the type of back that intrigues me going into the season and where he's going to. He's not being um, really overdrafted like some of the other rookies. Um, because he's potentially only the, the number two right now. And then the other one would be Jamal Williams. Um, Ty Montgomery had only, I believe, one game with above 11 carries last year, if I remember correctly, um, against Chicago. His two best games can, became against Chicago, uh, where they really couldn't stop anyone on the ground. So I don't know if they just were trying to work in Ty Montgomery um, or he couldn't really handle much of a bigger load. But Jamal Williams might be in a position where they can use him on the early downs and, more importantly, on the goal line. Any time that there's an opening for a back on a really good team like Green Bay, I'm going to be very interested, and I'm going to keep my eyes open. And I'm also going to keep my eyes open for their other rookie running back that they drafted, I believe, Aaron Jones as well. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, Ryan, what are your thoughts? Yeah, so I agree on those guys. And, uh you know, you obviously know my, my love for Dalvin Cook. My concern with Dalvin Cook <laughs> and what I'll be watching through the the preseason is the fact that Mike Zimmer is very hesitant to play rookies, and we've seen that now for a couple years. And you have Latavius Murray there. I hope that, that Zimmer kind of, you know, molds his philosophy around the team instead of just having a set philosophy and realizes that he, he has the unequivocally the best running back out of this draft. Um, and, and I hope that he gets his play. Um, the other guy I was interested in that I was I was pretty high on um, was uh, is Corey Davis. I, I love Corey Davis's build. I, I love that he's a big physical guy can can run run all the routes and can make the big 50-50 catches and tough plays. Um, but I was actually listening to uh, the NFL Talking Heads podcast this morning, and um, they made a really <laughs> good point on how 
on how Tennessee, especially with Decker, Decker now, that there are a lot of mouths to feed on that offense. And I don't think there's any elite mouths on that uh, offense to feed, but, um, you know, they were making the point uh, in, res- in regards to Rashad Matthews um, having kind of more of a step-back season than he had last year. And so seeing if, if Corey Davis can really elevate himself and emerge as the number one guy there, um, then, and then, you know, that's something that's – a, that's a rookie I'm really interested in. Um, and then lastly with Deshaun Watson um, – you know, I think I I like him a lot, but it's it, it's kind of how the draft goes. If you know, I know personally for me that as I'm going through draft boards, my my philosophy there is that I think he can be a suitable uh, quarterback in fantasy. Um, so if you know all the other guys are flying off the board, and I don't want to take a quarterback that early, and I'm and I'm really kind of taking the running backs and wide receivers, and I know that I have Deshaun Watson on the back burner, that I would feel comfortable with that and taking him a little bit further down the draft board. Yeah, so the only person I'm going to add to this list, and that's just for a, a, just somebody to keep an eye on, I think is Kareem Hunt of the Chiefs. I mean, Spencer Ware is obviously not who they want him to be. He hasn't had been able to make any road any inroads there in uh, Kansas City. He's uh, didn't have uh, didn't have a great season last season when he was the guy. Uh, Kareem Hunt had a prolific career in Toledo. Has great hands out of the backfield. Can catch the ball, run the ball. Clearly, the Chiefs want to do that. Want to play ball control. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if you can get Kareem Hunt very, very late. And if you see some indication that he's going to get some carries and get a look at some point during the season, he might be a lottery ticket worth uh, worth worth taking a look at. All right, let's move on to the next topic and that is sleepers this is the this is the part that uh, everybody wants to know because they want to get an edge in their fantasy football draft and we all know it everyone knows it it's tough to find that exact target all right so tell me jeff what would be your top two sleepers that you're keeping an eye on in fantasy drafts this year Top two. All right. Um, well, we've got a number of people because we, we try and really focus on value. Um, so, you know, one of the top names that have been really climbing up my board and, and is probably no surprise to a lot of people, uh, not really underneath that under the radar too much, but it's Willie Sneed. Um, he, he really had a very good year in terms of grading out uh, under Pro Football Focus last year. And I've been doing some research on team target share percentage. And one of the things I discovered in doing this research was that only three players last year had under, uh, with under 20% team target share percentage, actually finished as a wide receiver one. So you really need to get the bulk Hmm. of that workload in order to really finish as the top person. Well, two out of those three players that actually finished as a wide receiver one came from the New Orleans Saints, Michael Thomas and Brandon Cooks last year. Uh, both underneath 20%, but finished as a wide receiver one. Willie Sneed at just over 15% team target share percentage last year is going to slide into that number two role as we project, and we all hope, you know, we all hope so. Um, he's also graded out as the second best run blocking wide receiver in the NFL, right behind Larry Fitzgerald. So there's no reason to think that that the Saints and them giving or trading away Brandon Cook that they don't have enough faith in Willie Sneed to step in as a two spot. And right now where he's going around 62 overall, he has the potential to jump up several tier levels in terms of where his ADP is. That's the first person um, that we're really high on right now. The second person, um, you know, let me go with someone that I've been kind of high on for a little while. And that's Cameron Meredith. Um, I'm going to go a little bit deeper here for everyone. Uh, Because I know Willie Sneed, probably a lot of people have heard and talked about, but 
Cameron Meredith is going nearly at pick 100. Uh, it depends on how you feel about Kevin White, the offense, Mike Glennon. I get it. Uh, but Chicago Bears rated out as the 14th most passing yards last year. So not great, not bad, but they have to truck the ball. They're playing fairly poor defense. And Cameron Meredith had four games with over 12 or more targets last year. And did you know that he only played or only had 455 snaps in route last year? So Cameron Meredith only played um, or only had ran 455 routes. That was less than Ted Ginn ran last year. And he only played in 14 games. So I think the usage and the workload is going to increase for him. He's a big physical guy. I like the, I like the measurables. So that's kind of the other late-round person that I like as well. All right. Well, and then now, of course, Willie Sneed just re-signed his exclusive rights free agent contract with the Saints. And uh, so he's got a lot to prove. But uh, And as a little bit of background, he's actually posted consecutive top 35 PPR receiver finishes. So certainly the uh, the, the sky is the, the limit for this guy coming in to a season in which Brandon Cooks doesn't block him for targets. All right. Tell me, Ryan, what are your thoughts on your two sleepers? Yeah, so my two guys, um, you know, are both kind of same scenario as each other coming off a year where um, they kind of just, dis- you know, weren't weren't involved. One for uh, off-field issues, the other one for injury. Um, but the first one is um, Martavis Bryant. Now, uh, on FantasyPros.com, uh, he's been uh, reported as being drafted anywhere from 32, which is absurd, um, all the way to 118, which is also absurd. So his, his ADP is sitting right in the middle around late 60s, um, which is where I would kind of value him. But um, given the fact that in a lot of there's you know certain drafts where he's going 118, I can only imagine the drafts where he's going up in the 30s are uh, uh, from people in Pittsburgh. So, um, but I, I know that there's some you know questions whether or not Sammy Coates can overtake him, um, but I but I don't subscribe to that. I, I think and I know we had the hand injury last year, but between Eli Rogers and um, and Sammy Coates last year. Big Ben was obviously uh, very, very frustrated last year by, by the amount of drops uh, coming from his receiving core. And him and Martavis have always had uh, good chemistry. So I think him coming back, um, fresh legs and uh, hopefully fresh lungs, um, should uh, be somebody that could, uh, that could uh, really, if you, can get him, if you can get him down in like the seventh, eighth round, I think he's a really good value pick. Um, the other guy is, and this, and this one maybe I'm being stupid on, but uh, I loved him out of college, and uh, we haven't really seen it yet, but I like Amir Abdullah coming back in Detroit. I don't, I don't think that they have another answer there. I, I love his explosiveness, and he's another guy whose uh, ADP, from what I saw in Fantasy Pros, is around the 60s or 70s, um, which would put him, you know, in a 12-person draft probably in, you know, that third tier of running back. And, um, you know, I think, I, I think he's a guy that you kind of forget about with the injury last year, and I know – um, that he hasn't emerged yet. I know his rookie season, um, when I bought high on him, uh, you know, I paid dearly for that. But I think he'll come back this year, and I think he could be um, another another good guy late late in the draft or late, later middle rounds that you could uh, grab and, and definitely get RB2 production out of. All and right. I well, that's, uh, that's – I was just going to say, I could throw Go ahead, out – not going to yep. as much detail. I'll, I'll throw out just a couple other names because I know sleepers is always a big topic, as you mentioned – uh, but we really like Mike Gillisley. We wrote an article for that on Cover 32. Um, with the amount of workload missing in, in New England, um, the cheap handcuffs in terms of relative to ADP 
Um, and Gillespie coming out as rated as the number one uh, efficient running back from Football Outsiders and, and DVOA. Uh, we really like him stepping in and being the goal line back in New England. Um, as Ryan mentioned a little bit earlier with Eric Decker stepping into Tennessee, I feel like with his history, again, just kind of going off a of history and the amount of targets and touchdowns that this guy has had, even in, as a New York Jet with Ryan Fitzpatrick throwing him the ball, with Marcus Mariota there, his ability to get a lot of touchdowns, we really like him around the 89th overall pick. And then Tyrell Williams sitting at past 100. Had a big year last year. Obviously a lot of miles to feet ahead of him. Going really cheap, though. Um, there's a lot of injured, uh, injury people in front of Tyrell Williams. Um, and so he's got a little bit of upside. If anything happens around him, we'll keep, be keeping a closer eye on. Terrific. And uh, I'll, I'll throw out two more names here, and I'll, I would love to get your take on this, uh, Jeff and Ryan, one of which is kind of the high-profile quarterback from last year, Carson Wentz, coming into his second year, had a solid year, but didn't have the services of Lane Johnson for most of the time. Now we'll have the improved offensive line of Lane Johnson. We'll have more weapons of Alshon Jeffrey and Torrey Smith out there as well. Uh, last year, Wentz had the fifth highest pass volume of any NFL quarterback, and of course there'll be a little bit of regression because they want to be more balanced, but uh, he'll still have to throw a lot out there in, uh, in Philly, and he's being drafted 139, so if you wanted to take a flyer on a couple different quarterbacks instead of getting one of the top three or four, Carson Wentz, I think, might be a decent sleeper. And the other sleeper I want to throw out there is Jack Doyle, tight end for the Colts. You know, uh, Matthew Barry of ESPN had pointed out that over the last three years, Andrew Luck has completed 25% of his passes and 30%, 37% of his TDs to tight ends. So, you know, there's no more Dwayne Allen there. It's Jack Doyle. They've re-signed him for the long term, and, they, and Luck looks to be ready for the season. Uh, you know, we don't know what that shoulder injury is going to hold, but uh, they have all the indications that he's going to start in, day, in game one, and uh, that shoulder injury should let Doyle slip a little bit further in drafts. He might get a little extra value, but right now his ADP is 135, nice and late. What are your thoughts, uh, Jeff, on Carson Wentz and Jack Doyle? Yeah, so Carson Wentz, um, I like as a football player. Uh, I really liked him coming out of college. I was really high on him. I have this little thing with, like, Philly and, and their players for some reason. I don't know why I always come back to them. Um, but as a fantasy player, I'm really hesitant on him uh, for a couple reasons. One is if you're playing a one-quarterback league, there's going to be other options that I feel like just make a lot more sense, um, especially really late. You know, and a, a good example could be someone like Annie Dalton, who's just going really late, um, who I think can have a really bounce, big bounce back year. Carson Wentz has Doug Peterson kind of underneath that Andy Reid tree. And what they do is they slow down the game a lot. And they like to run and they like to play team ball, like to hold on to the ball, time of possession. And that, what that does not equate to is a lot of fantasy points, and a lot of passing yards. So I'm a little hesitant on those reasons for him, but he's going so late, as you mentioned, that I think it's definitely worth a flyer, um, especially in two quarterback leagues, as I think probably where the better spot for him there. Jack Doyle, I could definitely get on board for he, Him and probably Austin Hooper are my like super late tight ends. If I miss out on everyone else, I'm probably looking for Jack Doyle or Austin Hooper. I like everything that points towards Jack Doyle. I'm going to try and not get too excited because I don't know how many times Indianapolis has kind of fooled me with their tight ends in the past and their passing mm -hmm. attack and, and Andrew Luck. Mm -hmm. That being said, I'm on the same page. I like Jack Doyle. I definitely expect to hopefully have a couple shares of him coming up this season. All right, great. So we're running uh, just up against it here, and I do want to cover one more thing, and that is bus. 
Coming up, obviously, everybody wants to know who they should draft in drafts with uh, sleepers, but they also want to know who they shouldn't draft in sleepers. So let's talk a little bit about the bus, shall we? And we'll start with you, Jeff. Uh, name us, Give us a couple names of, of people that you think are going to be bus this year in the fantasy draft. Yeah, I got two names that everyone should probably stay away from. I just don't think there's going to be much return here. Um, I always like to say that you can always lose. You can't win your league in the draft, but you can always lose it. You know, if I get a safe player right next to, say, Marshawn Lynch, that's going to put up a fairly conservative number of points, someone might make the argument that Lynch is going to score more points or has the upside to score more points, but I'm not going to lose just because Lynch scored 30 or 40 more points on the season. However, Lynch has that type of downside, especially in PPR leagues, where and there's a report that came out that said Oakland might might save Lynch for the season and might keep him around 200 carries. That's a little concerning. They have two talented backs behind him. He's not going to be the pass catcher out of the backfield. Um, I get it. There's good offensive line. There's offense, but you're talking you're talking late second, early third. I don't like that one. And Ty- Tyreek Hill's the other person I'm staying away from. Uh, just not enough information again for someone who seems to be a little bit of a gadget player had uh, three or more touchdowns that were not in the receiving um, as a receiver. And now he's going to be the number one. Now defenses are going to be able to game plan around him. Um, and in Andy Reid's offenses, at least in Kansas City with Alex Smith, it hasn't really had that real true number one player, and especially where you're getting Tyree Kill. I can't trust him yet as a receiver, and I'm staying away from him as well. There's too many credible uh, receivers going around Tyree Kill, where I know I'm going to get in return someone like a Michael Crabtree, back-to-back years over 80 touch, uh, 80 catches and, and near double-digit touchdowns. That just w- makes way too much sense. All right, Ryan, what are your thoughts on possible busts? Yeah, my number one guy is uh, Brandon Marshall. Um, I know it's a it's a big name, um, but this is a guy who's coming off uh, you know not a great season, albeit from Jets quarterbacks. Um, but we've covered it a bunch uh, this offseason and even starting last year that I, that I think Eli Manning's taken a real, real step back and is on the back nine, and I don't see that turning around. It's been about two straight years that he's underperformed, and, um, you know, Marshall's going to be playing uh, second fiddle, obviously, to, to Odell, and I think that the Giants are, are better served going forward in the development of Sterling Shepard than, than focusing on Marshall. So Marshall's going ADP around 71 right now from what I saw on uh, fantasypros.com today. So, um, you know, that's – if for me, you know, I, I play in a pretty uh, deep league and a pretty deep, uh, you know, receiver slot league. Um, but for me, he's my third or flex option at best. And I think you could see a real, real down season, something around 50 catches, five touchdowns, and, um, you know, under under six or 700 yards. So, um, that's the guy I would stay away from, and I, and I completely agree on Marshawn Lynch. You know, we've talked about that several times on this podcast. Um, he is older mm-hmm. and taking a year off to come back, and if they are going to limit his touches on top of that, that's a, you know, I think you'd stay away from both those guys for me. Yep. All right. So, go ahead. I uh, just agreeing with Brian in terms of the comment with Brian Marshall and just the, the Lynch, you know. Mm-hmm. So let me let me throw out a couple names for you guys uh, and get your thoughts on this. So so uh, so there's three other people who people have been talking about as potential busts. 
uh, one of which is Dak Prescott, Dak Prescott, quarterback for the Cowboys, coming into the second season here. His ADP is at 72. Mark Ingram, running back for the Saints with a ADP of 48. And LeGarrette Blount in his first year of the Eagles at an ADP of 65. Uh, Jeff, what are your thoughts about those guys? Yeah, let me jump with the first one, and I'll have you kind of repeat uh, the next two names there for me because I was just trying to pull up Dak Prescott here. Jack, sure. you know, it's funny you just bring him up. Um, it's, we just did a kind of a negative regression podcast, and Seth actually mentioned him as a negative regression, so he'd probably agree with you. I, I, I don't know really what to think of Dak Prescott because I don't think he actually accomplished a whole lot. He's not being drafted all that high. He's going in front of someone like Matt Stafford, who I would take Matt Stafford over for sure. But I don't think he's being overdrafted egregiously. Um, Dallas also was the third lowest in pass attempts last year, which is common for these younger quarterbacks to come in, especially with the running game, a la Russell Wilson in Seattle. We saw Russell Wilson increase his pass attempts every single year since his rookie year. I kind of see it being the same way with Dallas. They lost one of their offensive linemen, um, and I think that just with the, the, the maturation process of Dak, I think he's going to be throwing a little bit more than just 459 times. He'd only had 3,600 yards. Now, he was extremely efficient, had six rushing touchdowns. Um, so his total touchdowns was 29. I do think that maybe if his rushing touchdowns go down a little bit, I think his passing touchdowns can go up from 23, especially if he has Des Bryant healthy for a full season. So I, I'm a kind of indifferent, I guess, would be a long story short. And what were the other two names? Sure. Mark Ingram, who has an ADP of 48, and LeGarrette Blunt, who has an ADP of 65. Yeah, we've, I've, I've never, never liked Mark Ingram. I've never gotten the story there. Um, so I completely agree with Mark Ingram. There's a lot of mouths to feed there. I mean, the only upside that you can make or argument you can make is that he's going a little bit later, later than normal and he might actually be the pass catching back as funny as that is because in several years ago he couldn't catch the ball and now he might be their only third down back but you still have Alvin Kamara there who definitely projects out as as a receiving back as well as you know a, almost like a three down back we don't know how quickly he's going to work into the system um too too much going on I would definitely stay away from Mark Ingram I don't think there's any upside and like Garrett Blunt um, is, is a perfect regression candidate. He's never had double-digit touchdowns until last year when he had 18. And people are just not factoring that into his, his price to draft him. So I would be completely off of, of like Garrett Blunt. And they have too many other decent running backs in Philly. Um, and, and starting with Darren Sproles, who is still getting it done at 34-plus years old coming out of the backfield. And uh, they continue to draft a, r- a running back almost seemingly every year. So I would definitely stay away from LeGarrette Blunt as well. Ryan, what do you think about Prescott, Ingram, or Blunt as bus? Yeah, so I'll fire through them all three quickly. I know we're up against it here. But, um, you know, Dak, I, I agree. I think the big X factor is, and you mentioned it briefly, is Des Bryant. Um, seems to be broken down, can't stay healthy the last couple of seasons. If he can stay healthy, I think uh, Prescott will be fine. If he can't, then I would stay away. Um, so that's a gamble I would, I would, you know, be hesitant to roll the dice on. Um, for Ingram, I like Ingram um, as a as a, a, a desperation number two, but more more likely a flex option. So I agree with everything Jeff said on him. And lastly, Garrett Blunt sucks. 
Um, I, I don't have the stats in front of me, <laughs> but out of the 18 touchdowns, it felt like 15 of them were one yard or, one yard or less last year. And I know it's hyperbole, but you get my overall point. Um, and, 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 you know, I think uh, I think the rest of the backfield still has more to do there. I think they go more passing this year with Wentz. So, um, you know, I, I agree with all three for the most part. Okay, let me let me just uh, clarify on Prescott a little bit. And you mentioned this, Jeff, a second ago. Stafford going later than Prescott. You think you'd go Stafford or Prescott? Rivers also going later than Prescott. Would you go Rivers or Prescott? I'm going. I'm going Rivers. Um, it, I want to get these quarterbacks that are gunslingers. I mean, to me, that's kind of the the mentality in fantasy is just go for these people that are kind of chucking it all over the ballpark. And Philip Rivers is doing that. Matt Stafford's doing that. And Dak is going to be one of those uh, quarterbacks. It's going to be a lot more about being efficient and managing the clock and the team and, and, and all that and, and, and making sure he's holding on to the ball, not having turnovers, versus actually throwing the ball all, all over the ball field. And let me give you one more tough one, I think. Eli Manning going around later. Do you going to take Eli Manning around later or Dak Prescott? Oh, that's, a, that's, a, that's a rough one right there. You got me. Uh, I hope I'm not in that position where I'm bouncing between them two, but you know maybe you are if you're in a two quarterback league. If I had to choose between one of those two, again I think I'm going Eli Manning. I think that uh, with the system with Ben McAdoo going into the second year, and of course the addition of weapons with Evan Ingram and Brandon Marshall. Maybe Brandon Marshall is not necessarily a good player in himself fantasy wise week to week, but he does give Eli Manning that red zone threat that he wants. Sterling Shepard into his second year. Evan Ingram, they can split out at tight end. Um, and, of course, Paul Perkins in his second year. He's got a lot of weapons around him, um, so I would definitely take Eli over Dak Prescott. All right. And, Ryan, I know you're not a fan of Eli at this, at this point in time, at least. You're not a fan of Brandon Marshall. Would you take Dak Prescott or wait around and take Eli Manning? Yeah, I think I, I, think I would take Prescott. I think I, I've had Eli in some capacity – in every league over the last three years, whether it was on a buy situation where I had to pick him up, and um, every time I pick him up, he uh, he you know screws me over. So um, I, I'm staying away <laughs> from him like he's radioactive. So I, I'd go Prescott there in that situation. And he tends to screw over your pats in the Super Bowl situations too. So I'm sure that's no love lost there, of course. All right, guys, yeah. looks like we got down to the end ringing the bell on the show that was a great show thank you very much jeff for joining us jeff from nfl talking heads podcast check them out they are fantastic one of the top 10 fantasy football podcasts as per athlon sports uh, you can also connect up with them at nfl talking heads uh, go check them out they are fan- they are great listen thank you jeff for joining us on the show today hey thanks guys i really appreciate it thanks for all the time you guys are doing a great job keep it up Great, thanks. And Ryan, thanks, why don't you go ahead and give us, remind everybody of your uh, Instagram and your Twitter so people can follow you. Yeah, so uh, Twitter's at Ryan Whitfield, N-E as in New England. Um, and for Instagram, uh, we are, the Football Garbage Time staff right now on our Twitter is doing a, a mock draft. And I'm also posting all of our draft picks up on Instagram. And you can find that at football underscore garbage underscore time. 
Yes, and connect up with us at FB Garbage Time, and do follow our mock draft as we go through on Twitter. It's hashtag FGT Mock Draft. Follow along. There's some surprises along the way already, things that I definitely wouldn't expect, so it'll be fun to keep track of that, and we'll write it up and get it on our website as soon as we are done. Until next time, everybody, thanks for tuning in. We're going to get back to a regular podcast later this week, and we will do more fantasy football specials before the season starts. Until next time, enjoy your fantasy football week. Thanks so much, Jeff. Hey, Derek Rose to the uh, Cavaliers. How do you feel about that? Oh, talk about washed up. No one wants to hear about your, Chicago, <laughs> your, your old Chicago burnt out athlete. <laughs> For once, I agree with you, Ryan. <laughs> Love it. Have a good week. All right. 